0: Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for all the people who are coming online right now and hope that we're able to edify your soul on this feel-good Friday morning. Uh, We're certainly grateful that God gives us this opportunity to be able to edify one another in spirit and truth. Feel free to drop down in that comment box below with any questions, comments, or concerns that you may have. Just ask that you keep it classy down in the comment box. Uh, we got a jam-packed show for you on today. We're gonna be talking about the fact that cup noodles now will be giving us a cup that we can actually microwave, and asking the question whether or not we've actually been following instructions this entire time, or whether, out of convenience, we've been cutting corners in order to get that that nice little, you know, quick meal snack thing um, from the cup noodles uh, that we have, you know, religiously put in microwaves despite the warning telling us not to. We're also going to be talking about the um, the difference between the perfect and the permissive will of God. Uh, we're going to talk about how Christians view other religions. We're also going to talk about six homeless sisters who all became nurses in order to bring themselves out of the poverty that they were in. Uh, but we are going to start our day off by talk by continuing our conversation in the series, Gods at War. Um, written by Kyle Eidelman on um, this book right here. I'm going to continue our conversation as we enter the first temple as pres- as described in the book, the temple of pleasure in examining the God of food. And so grateful that you guys are here and hope that we you stick around and we're able to just give you some gospel truth here on the True Gospel Morning Show. We're going to start off with a word of prayer and then get started in our series on today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're asking, Lord God, that we just lift this show up to you, that it be none of me and all of you. Lord God, every word that is said, um, every um, every everything that is done through this show, God, we, we just ask that you be glorified in everything that we do on today. Uh, may the ones who are coming in today, Lord God, who are believers, may they be edified by the words that are said on today. Lord God, for the ones who are not, may they uh, have a word that just penetrates the hearts of um, of their unbelief, uh, that you may germinate um, a relationship with them. Uh, Lord God, as we say here on the show all the time, God loves everyone and wants a relationship with everyone. And so we're asking that we say something today, Lord God, that may uh, uh, ask, help help them to grow curious about you and want to develop a relationship with you. Lord God, we're grateful for all that you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, for making all this possible by dying on the cross and rising again, that we may have the opportunity upon repentance and belief to have communion with you both now and forever. All these things will be so careful. to Give your name, praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for the follows. Thank you so much already. We're just so all grateful for that um, as we're starting our show on today. Today we're going to be, um, and I'm, let me flip the camera around really quick so that way you guys can actually see the book for what it really is. Um, this book is entitled God's at War um, by Kyle Eidelman. Um, this book is a really good book that talks about the different t- the different things that we as the believers of God tend to worship without realizing that we're worshiping it. As we talked about yesterday we are all hardwired to worship something. We're all going to worship something. Even, even, um, even atheists are worshiping something, whether they want to admit it or not. They are, they We are we're all hardwired to worship something, and so um, the book helps us as believers to understand what we may be worshiping or what has the potential to be to supplant God off the throne. And so we spent this first, um, the first. Few chapters the first four chapters talking about what idolatry and what worship really is so that we can understand and unpack what it is that we may find ourselves t- tempted to worship over the course of our lives and so if we can if we can see it if we can understand it we now know what to bring to God and what to have him slay on the altar so that way he is the uppermost of our affections the uppermost of our attentions and the uppermost of our allegiances and so right now We're entering part two of the book, and this um, part is entitled um, The Temple of Pleasure. Um, He says, let's see where where the line is, I don't want to pick up. Um, We walk into the Temple of Pleasure, and there we see the gods of food, sex, and entertainment. There are others to be sure, but these are the ones we most often find ourselves bowing down to. And when we begin to worship pleasure, the end result is always pain. Just to be clear, I want to say from the start uh, that food, sex, and entertainment are not sinful or evil in and of themselves. In fact, these things all have the potential to be good gifts from God that draw our hearts to him all the more. But inside the temple of pleasure, gifts are turned into God's. Further into the little blurb of this, of this section, he says, God withholds his blessing in the very areas in which we lift up false gods. For example, has anyone noticed any significant economic problems in our money obsessed culture lately about problems with food, obesity, junk food issues, nutritional issues? What about sex? Anybody see any sexual dysfunction in our culture? How about the entertainment industry? Isn't it interesting that one of the most common complaints of our entertainment-saturated society is boredom? We shouldn't be surprised. After all, why would the Lord God bless us in the area that represents his greatest competition? So ask yourself, is it possible that you're seeing a financial drought, a sexual satisfaction drought, or some kind of other challenge because you want it so bad that it has become a God. As we look to these gods of pleasure in the next section of this book, I think you will find the same is true of us. When forced to choose between the Lord God and the God of pleasure, we say nothing. Why? Because we want both. And so what he tells us here is that we're, t- we're always looking to be satisfied. We're always looking to have, a, to have something that's going to satisfy our hearts and satisfy the longings of our souls. And so we as the people of God have to be ever so careful that we're not lifting up satisfaction, lifting up pleasure um, to be um, the uppermost of our attention, the uppermost of our affections, the uppermost of our allegiances. Again, we can say that we love God, But there can always be something else that has the potential to override the relationship that we have with him. And so it behooves us to do a heart check to make sure that nothing is getting in the way of our deepening relationship with him. Instead, we have to be mindful that these things that God has given us are good things, but they should never become a godly thing. And so again, it's a heart check what are we what what has the potential to cause us to walk in such a way where we are outside of the relationship with God in an attempt to try to have this thing that's going to satisfy the longings of our souls so we go into chapter 5 and it talks about how It talks about the God of food. Um, I'm going to go into this particular thing that it said because he told this long behind story. Here we go. Food can become a God when you are consumed with diet and exercise. You could build your life around organic food, organic health foods and still be building your life around a false god, if a, um, if a more physically healthy one. But it's a god that can demand incredible sacrifice of time and money. It's a god that specializes in vanity and obsession with outward appearance. He gets you to worship your own image. In the scriptures, food is always a gift from heaven. God showed Adam and Eve the great bounty of good things he had prepared for them to eat. Clearly, he wanted eating to be a joyful thing, not simply a matter of bodily fuel maintenance. He created a vast spectrum of foods and flavors, then gave us 10,000 taste buds to provide that flavor in high-definition tasting. We are told, quote, go, eat your food with gladness, Ecclesiastes 9, 7. God could have provided some simple root for us to chew on that would supply all of our nutritional needs, but he is lavish in his gifts, insistent that we get the full range of joy in the things he has given us, including food. Eating is good. The problem is that every gift God gives us can be twisted into a lure to pull us away from him. Think about how the God of food works. Imagine walking into one of his favorite temples, the Cheesecake Factory. Ever been there? One of my favorites, too, and mine too. As the hostess shows you to your table, you steal glances at what others are having. The decision will be tough. At the table, she hands you a menu that is so thick it has to be divided into chapters. And that ain't, gee, never lie. You don't even know where to begin in such a taste bud fantasy land. What's really going on here? I certainly do not um, go to good restaurants simply for bodily sustenance. I could chew on some root, it would probably be a healthy choice. No, it's all about satisfaction. We want to throw a big, raucous party between the tongue and the tonsil. And just, for just a few moments, all is right with the world. It's a little piece of heaven. Little piece of heaven? That phrase probably didn't strike you as out of place in the above scenario. But notice how often we invoke heaven or spirituality when we talk about the pleasure of eating. This cake is heavenly. This pie is to die for. Soul food. Angel food cake. I thought I would died and gone to heaven, death by chocolate, nectar of the gods. I feel like I need to make something clear again, and you'll probably get tired of this reminder, but it is an important one. There's nothing wrong with eating at the Cheesecake Factory. It's not idolatry to enjoy a great meal. The problem comes when we start to look to food to do for us what the Lord God alone should do. Why would we do that? Well, maybe the day brought its share of disappointments. Maybe you didn't snare the promotion you were looking for. Maybe you had to endure another snarky email from the boss. Maybe the work itself has become drudgery for you. Maybe it's family issues, and the thought of going home makes work seem like a day at the beach. Instead of turning to God, how often do we try to treat our troubled soul as if it were a growling stomach? Have you found that nothing is better at the end of a long day than the bluebell pralines and ice pra, pra, Oh my God, pralines and cream ice cream. Just a random example. When the going gets tough, the tough get chewing. It provides a quick and obvious shot of comfort. Big dripping hamburgers on billboards, pizza pizza commercials on the radio, fast food emporiums with drive-through walk drive-through windows all along the road on your way home from work. All of these promising to make you feel better. We even call it comfort food. But think about this. Comforter is what God calls himself. He is the God of all comfort, and he is ready to talk with you about your day. The Prince of Peace waits to give you his gifts and strengthen you. He wants to be your satisfaction. Frank Farrell has written, quote, a very large part of mankind's ills and the world's misery is due to the rampant practice of trying to feed the soul with the body's food. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In, what, in, in all you do, whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. For many of us, we underestimate the power of food. And as the writer says, we sometimes will turn eating into a spiritual endeavor in so much that food is not just to sustain us or to enjoy the flavors, you know, because we eat not just for um, for bodily sustenance. We also eat for we eat for pleasure as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, when you when you want what you want to eat, you want to eat, you want what you want and it tastes good and it's satisfying the way that you it did, intended it to be and so you were not just eating for the fates for the sake of sustenance otherwise we'd all be eating gruel every day but no we eat for satisfaction listen a good nice juicy steak you know with some roasted um um broccoli uh, with some mashed potatoes and or baked potato like, wife, I think I'm calling on you about what I want to eat later on. Um, but, um, but you know, those things, they, it tastes great when you put the flavors together, the salt, the pepper, the oregano, all that stuff. When you put it together and it's seared just nicely, like it's chef's it's kiss, you know? And so, um, I mean, hey, I, I hear you, Nicole. Um, and so, again, like we, we, there's nothing wrong with wanting what we want. There's nothing wrong with what we want. The problem becomes when we are using food as a substitute to, to solve the longings of the soul, the ills of the soul. You Again, had a long day or had a situation or a circumstance that happened in your life. And instead of turning to God for comfort, instead you're turning to food in order to comfort the longings of the soul. Some of us learn these things through our childhood. Where any time we had a problem or a situation or a circumstance, the first thing that they were given to us was not a comforting word from the Lord, but rather it's like, here you go, let's eat something. Here you go, put something in your mouth. Here you go, you know, here's this, here's that. And so, you know, over time, that became the way by which we dealt with issues. The way in which we dealt with problems. We would easily just go into the snack drawer, pull a snack, and, and, and down that snack in an attempt to solve the longings of the soul. So the food isn't about food anymore. It's about trying to cure an aching heart or cure an aching soul. And as a result, over time, that became the default position by which we solved our problems, solved our issues, or numbed our problems, or numbed our issues away. Instead of dealing with the issues or dealing with the problems or taking the problems to the Lord, we as believers will sometimes go to food and say, this is what's going to bring me comfort. This is what's going to bring me joy. This is what's going to bring me peace. And as a result, we tend to squash the issues, squash the problems, and and just push those things further down into, into ourselves, rather than exposing the issues for what they are, and allowing the Holy Spirit to be the comforter, rather than our comfort food comforting us. Now, as I say that, I tell people all the time, especially my clients in therapy, I tell them there's I, I love being able to deal with issues, but it but it makes a difference dealing with issues over a plate of food. I'm not gonna lie. Something about having a having a full stomach just makes issues feel a little bit lighter. Nevertheless, we don't use the food to then just dismiss the problem. We gotta eat and talk. So don't just eat the food and then y'all ain't talking. You still got to talk about the issues. You still got to talk about the problems. You still got to make, you know, make an, make an attempt to actually deal with what you need to deal with. Nevertheless, we got to be careful that we are not eating to solve the issues of our souls. God says he is the comforter that when we become, when we become a part of the kingdom, when we repent and believe, we become a part of God's kingdom and the Holy Spirit. The Comforter get, is, is it's living, literally living inside of us, and so we have the Comforter living in us, you know, you know, um, uh, residing in us, abiding in us. And so, anytime we have an issue, anytime we have a problem, anytime we have a situation or a circumstance going on in our lives, we don't have to turn to the God of Food in order to solve the issues of the heart. We can turn to the Comforter. Who has promised us that if we cast all our cares on him, he will give us peace. He will give us rest for our souls. That the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we're willing to, throw, to, 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 to go to the throne boldly because we serve a high priest who, you know, at all points was tempted but without sin. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And so rather than turning to the food for comfort, rather than turning to the food to solve the ills, rather than turning to the food to distract us, we can go boldly to the throne of grace and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your guidance. God, I need your understanding. God, I need you to help me in this situation. I need you to, you know, comfort the the lungs of my soul. You know, I tell on myself, you know, I pride myself in being, you know, a bomb.com therapist. And yesterday I had a situ- I had a you know client who was who made his made it be known I was not bomb.com to him. Um and so um you know obviously you know it bothers me because you know I pride myself in being able to be a good therapist or whatever. And so for him to feel like I wasn't a good therapist to him, I understood in the totality of the thing what he was going through and why he attained why he attacked me. You know, and so it was so therapeutically I understood it spiritually. I understood it. He's a troubled man, got a troubled soul, and we're just not able to help him deal with what he what he's dealing with the way that he wanted to be dealt with. But my pride was still 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 gnawing at me. And I noticed this even last night as I was talking to my wife about it for the third or fourth time. I'm like, okay, I need to take this to the Lord. I need to take this to Jesus. You know, let me not, you know, put something not, you know, turn to this that, and the third, you know, an attempt to try to make me make myself feel better about anything. Just this morning, before even getting on live with y'all, I got an email, you know, because they're able to give, um, um, you know, ratings. Um, the clients give us ratings about how the therapy session went if they so decide to give. And sure enough, because I know how, because you know how we as people are, we rarely give people the good ratings, but we for dang sure going to give them the bad ones, right? And so I look at my email, and lo and behold, there it is. There it is that, um, that, um, that, um, that um that rating that he gave me was a one out of five. And again, pride took a hit because it's like, dude, you know, I uh, and again, I had to go back to, I understand where, where it's coming from. I understand he's got issues. I understand that we weren't able to help him with the issues the way that we wanted to. And so I had to not internalize it so that I didn't then turn to something else in an attempt to make me feel better. I had to take it to God. and And he had to remind me. I am your peace. I am your joy. I validate you. I, You know, again, don't look at what he's saying as an indictment on you. For some of us, a situation like that has the potential to have us to walk out of step with God, to walk out of alignment with God. And in an attempt to make ourselves feel better in the flesh, to feel better in our pride, we'll turn to food. We'll turn to, you know, I need something just to make me feel better. So I'll turn to chocolate or I'll turn to, you know, um, to candy or I'll turn to, you know, um, you know, something fried or I'll turn to something that just makes me feel better. And what um, Kyle Odomen says in the book is that what often happens for us is if we go down that path, then we'll find ourselves eating more and more and more and, and more. And as a result you know our bodies will 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 you know obesity will, will will set in high blood pressure hypertension will set in you know um um you know uh, and all those different things will begin to um become a part of our you know narrative and and, and it's all because we are not turning to the god who gives us comfort instead we're turning to food that comforts us and so you talking about oh you talk about obesity you're talking about, you know, um, all these different health problems, having to be on all these different health medications, all in all because we're in a, in an attempt to try to solve the longings of the soul. Keep trying to consume um, bodily food as if it's soul food. And what God, again, is saying to us is that we got to look to the hills from which comes our help, you know. Uh, um, uh, I'm sorry. Well, 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 I figured out we we said that that's uh-uh, that's not how that goes. God, you know, um, help. That we realize that our help comes from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord, and we gotta lean on Him. We gotta rely on Him. We gotta lean. We gotta depend on Him. Our default position is to run to anything that brings us comfort. And again, I'm trying not to go ahead of myself because the other comforts, you know, are right there in the next chapters. And so, but we, but what we will do as people is we'll turn to anything that can give us temporary satisfaction and help us to numb away the pain or numb away the issue or numb away the problem. And God is saying, don't, 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 don't run to food. Don't run to that thing to be what I am. I am the comforter. I am your comfort. I am your peace. I am your joy. Whatever problem you got going on, you don't have to turn to food to satisfy the longings of the soul. Food is good in its place. Food is amazing in its place. But if we're using food in an attempt to solve the longings of the soul, then we find ourselves digging a deeper and deeper pit in our souls. Because the only thing that can satisfy an eternal soul is, Is something eternal. And God is saying to us as the believers in God, I am the eternal peace. I am the eternal joy. I am the eternal comfort. And so be wise to not go to food to comfort the longings of your soul. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your comfort. And so... Let me see, where is it? The journey for Paul Jones had not been comfortable. Quote, but God is not interested in my comfort, he said. He's interested in my healing. For that to take place, an idol had to be smashed. The God of pleasure called food. Pleasure? What an irony that was. Paul Jones never knew true pleasure until physical food was replaced with the bread of life. God cannot and will not give us a sense of lasting pleasure apart from him because it violates his purpose and our design. Psalm 34 8 reads, taste and see that the Lord is good. Chew on that for a while the next time the god of food calls you out or calls out to you. And then Kyle Eidelman puts these on, um, put these, puts these challenge questions in at the end of the chapter. He asked the question, do you eat more for pleasure or for nourishment? Take a look at your eating habits and discern why you eat what you eat. Is it mostly because of pleasure or nourishment? Again there's nothing wrong in finding pleasure from a gift that the Lord has given us but when you pursue when we pursue pleasure for its own sake it has a way of expanding beyond its borders When and why do you overindulge How often do you buy into the concept of comfort food Do you use it as a salve for your daily wounds When life goes wrong our first impulse frequently is to turn to food It's easy it's readily available And the sense of taste is a powerful distraction. Consider the times of day you do this. Is it on the way home from work when you're trying to deal with life? Is it after everyone else is in bed and you decide you should reward yourself? Would you be willing to try a fast? One of the easiest ways to gauge the power that the God of food has over you is to go on a fast. How hard would it be for you to fast for three days? One day. Or even just from certain foods. Don't do it as a test of discipline or as a way to fit into your skinny jeans in the closet. Do it for the expressed purpose of spending time with God. Pray that you will have great hunger for him. A greater hunger for him than for the food of this world. And so what God is trying to show us today. Through the words of Kyle Iteman in the book God's at War. Is that we as the believers in God. Need to do a heart check. When we're going through our situations and circumstances. Is food one of the places that we turn to for comfort? Is food one of the places that we turn to for distraction? Is food more than just nourishment and typical pleasure? Again, there is nothing wrong with wanting food. like that. We're designed and hardwired to do so. And there's nothing wrong with wanting something specific. Because again, a plethora of choices out there. And on some days you feel like eating this, and another day you feel like eating that. And my wife and I talk about it all the time where we'll grill out and we'll have all this food. <laughs> we'll grill out all this food. But then by day three, we're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I want something else. And <laughs> we got food for five days. Uh uh-uh, uh, I want something else. <laughs> and so again, there's nothing wrong with wanting different things. There's nothing wrong with wanting choice. nothing wrong with having choices. Nothing, nothing wrong with having options. It becomes a problem when the food becomes something more than what it was meant to be. When it becomes something that we turn to for comfort. When we when we, the believers in God, hear me. When the believers in God, hey hey, Target, thank you so much. I appreciate that. When God when God says to us, I'm supposed to be your peace. I'm supposed to be your comfort. We, the believers, are saying that He is our comfort, He is our joy, He is our peace. But then, how often again are we running to the gods of food, running to the gods of you know of, of Oreo, of Chips Ahoy, of Blue Bell ice cream, of you know potato chips, the god of um of 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 of, of you know chocolate cupcakes. And the God of Skittles, you know, that's, that's my, that's mine. You know, that's my issue. The God of Skittles and the God of Hershey bars, you know, the, the, the God of milk duds, you know, how often are we turning to the God of, um, of cheesecake factory, the gods of, you know, cheddars and the gods of, um, olive garden and spending all this exorbitant amount of money time after time, after time again, I'm not saying do not, not to go to the restaurants, enjoy going to the restaurants. I love a good, a good Zaxby's plate with the, 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 the five fingers, no slaw, extra fries. Listen, satisfying to the soul. It feels like it's satisfying to the soul, you know? Um, but again, do in, oh, um, Matt Chandler in the book, Recovering Redemption. Um, where is it? Where is it? Um, uh, might not be able to find it fast enough. Um, oh, there it is. I'm going to see if I can find it real quickly. Um. See if I can find it. Sales Others, the world. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Give me a second. I think I can find it. Um Yep. Here we go. He says The problem with these sorts of worldly pursuits, and we'll deal with this more fully in the next chapter, is not the activity we're enjoying whether food or sex or shopping or whatever, is infused with innate moral wrong. On the contrary, food and sex and material enjoyments are part of what God has created for our pleasure and use. But when we go buy things with money we don't have because we're greedy for how they make us feel, comma, when we pull into the drive through because we're lonely and upset and a double cheeseburger just really settles us down, comma, when we're dying for sex because we're low in the confidence and approval tank and jittery from our own insecurity, comma, we're using the gifts of God as if them they themselves are gods. We're chasing them beyond the proper beneficial boundaries that um where we were designed by God to enjoy them, deciding instead that these items and activities can satisfy us all by themselves we're elevating created things above their creator and even though they fail us every bit as we readily fail ourselves even though they prove just as incapable of fulfilling us as all the other people do in our lives we still keep pushing that gimme button like blast morons fully expecting that the next time we snag whatever comes out of it will be the time when satisfaction finally takes hold, when the good feeling finally sticks around to stay. And so like clockwork, we go down in flames again and again to our abuse or our lust or our sweet tooth or our credit line. Whatever particular desire is so powerful and predictable at deceiving us, we grab for things that have never failed to disappoint us in the past, thinking that what we must need more than anything is more of it, more of the same things that's never been able to satisfy us before. That's the call of the world for you, and it's madness, because the world doesn't have what it takes to redeem us. And so again, what it's saying to us is that we have to be so careful that we are not elevating food to the, to the, um, to the spot of deity, we have to be ever so careful that we're not using food as a supplant to the throne. That we're not usurping the throne of God and placing food in, its, in God's place. Again, we enjoy food for the glory of God. God gave us this food. God gave us this drink. God gave us this ability to be able to enjoy the pleasures of this world through, the, again, the food. Because, again, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but we're going to talk about other things later. And yet, at the same time, God is saying to us, God is saying to us that we got to be ever so careful that we're not putting food in his place. Food was never designed to satisfy the longings of the soul. Food was never designed to give us satisfaction, to give us joy, to give us peace on a spiritual level. When we enjoy food, it should roll up to worship to God. God, thank you for the flavors. God, thank you for the, for the meal. God, thank you for what's you know, soothing my aching stomach right now. God, I thank you. It's not to terminate on the food itself. It should roll up to worship to God because God gives good gifts to his children. He gives good gifts to us all. Rather we're sa- whether we're saved or unsaved, everybody can eat. Whether we're saved or unsaved, everybody can enjoy good food, good wine good you know beverages everybody can enjoy these things so god gave them to us for us to enjoy but the but the enjoyment of the thing should not turn our worship of the of our worship should not terminate on the thing so our worship should not terminate on the food our worship should rise to god and say god i thank you i'm so grateful to you for allowing me the ability to eat for allowing me the ability to taste I thank God when we go to Olive Garden, Texas Roadhouse, you know, who we go to, um, you know, um, you know, you some other place I can't even think of right now because I'm so doggone hungry right now thinking about all this stuff. Um, I thank God, you know, I thank God for Halloween. I thank God for trick or treating. You know, I thank God for candy. You know, I, I thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you so much. I thank him for lemonade. Lemonade tastes great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I thank God for that. You know. But again, we have to be ever so careful, as the people of God, that we're not allowing food to rise to the level of being the comforter of our souls. It makes sense, you know. Food, you know, goes in the in the belly. I, we we in satisfying our hunger pains, absolutely. Satisfying a sweet tooth, absolutely. But don't allow those things to rise to the level to where they are now. We're now worshiping food. Over God, we got to be ever so careful, believers, ever so careful, saints, that we are not allowing food to rise to the level where we are now worshiping it over the creator. As we've been discovering throughout this whole thing, we're going to worship something. Believer or unbeliever, we're going to worship something. And we as the believers got to be careful that we don't have things that are around us that have the potential to usurp the throne of God. And so, again, it's a heart check. Are you someone who tends to use food to comfort the ailments of the soul? Are you using food to distract yourself from problems that you have? Are you using food as a means to make yourself feel better about some, what somebody might have said to you. Or what somebody might have done to you. Are you using food as a means of trying to give yourself comfort. To give yourself peace. To give yourself joy. Check your heart. This is between you and God. Again, I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. So you're not talking to me. Ask God. Talk to God and ask him. Hey, check my heart. See if there's anything in there that's not like you, anything that's grievous in there, purge it. And so again, check your heart. Do you, are you, possibly using food as a substitute for the almighty God in all that he he said time and again, I am your peace, I am your joy, I am your comfort, I am your satisfaction. Check your hearts today, saints, and ask yourself the question whether or not you may fall in this category. If you do, God is just simply saying, Turn to me. Repent. Turn to me. Just turn around. This is not this ain't gonna cost you your salvation. Just turn around. Focus on me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, put him make him I have no have no other gods before him. Again, just turn around, Christian. Again. When, when we find that we have these idols that are still worn in our souls, it's not going to count us out of the kingdom. If we're in the kingdom, we're in the kingdom. Past, present, and future sins are all covered by the cross. So when we see it, take it to the Lord. Repent. Just turn back to me. Turn back to me. And ask the question, how can I use God instead of using food? To satisfy the longings of the soul, he said, "Ask in the door, and it shall be given. Seeking ye shall find. Knocking the door shall be open. If if we who are evil can give good gifts to our children, how much more will God give us the Holy Spirit if we ask Him? So all the fruit of the Spirit, all the comfort, all the joy, all the peace, all the patience, all the kindness, the long suffering, the gentleness, the self control, all the love, all of that, God is saying." I got it in ample supply. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. You want it? Ask for it. And it. he promises he will give it to us and give it to us in such a way to where we're able to walk out, um, you know, seeking him first and enjoying food in its proper place. In its proper place. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank y'all for the 2,100 likes that you've given us so far. want to thank you for the gifts that were given, those um, 16 fires. Hey, thank you so, so much, Target, for, um, for, for your gifts on today. Um, if you missed any part of this message or would like to hear past episodes of the True Gospel Morning Show, you can turn to... Spotify, and Apple Podcasts right now, and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode of our show from inception to now. We thank you guys so much. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. Um, Thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy, Eddie D, right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, What would God, what would, what would Jesus say about the fact that cup noodles has, is now switching to a paper cup that you can microwave? And that's interesting, right? Something that we can microwave? Um, You'll soon be able to microwave your ramen, cup noodles switching to paper cups in 2024. You'll soon be able to make robin noodles without boiling water first. Nissin Foods, the company behind Cup Noodles, announced Thursday it is introducing a new paper cup design in early 2024, replacing the current polystyrene cup that, that'll make the cups microwavable for the first time. The updated packaging in the new paper cup marks an important milestone for cup noodles and a key step in our environmental commitment, said Michael Price, president and CEO of Nissen Foods USA, in a news release. The new packaging will, roll, be, will be rolled out across all flavors of cup noodles, and according to the news release, the cup will be made with 40% recycled fiber, no longer required a, a plastic wrap, and features a features sleeve made with 100% recycled paper. The new packaging is also polystyrene-free, polystyrene removing the use of plastic completely. The microwavable noodles no longer require boiling water to cook and can be heated in 2 minutes and 15 seconds, the company says. Microwaving polystyrene, which is found in styrofoam, may not be safe because of the presence of styrene. The compound has been linked to cancer, and substances may emit from the food containers at high temperatures when microwave. However, some polystyrene containers are safe to microwave if they've been approved by the FDA, which tests the safety of microwavable containers. According to the company's website, Nissen put down roots in the U.S., blah, 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 yada, yada, womp, womp, womp. So, reason I bring this up today is because for many people across social media, they have been like, so we weren't supposed to put the cup noodles in the microwave this whole time? Yeah. We weren't supposed to put the cup noodles in the microwave the whole time. How many of us have put cup noodles in the microwave in an attempt to have a tasty snack it's and it's so it's so fu- god you are funny, you are so funny because listen like i would i did okay can i- can, i'm gonna take y'all behind the veil real quick and then I promise i'm gonna come back like we're going through God's at war right, and today's topic chapter five is the temple of food. I did not orchestrate this, I promise you. So why we're talking about cup noodles right now is beyond me. I promise y'all I didn't set this up this way. God is just funny. He's been doing this all week. Every time we do a chapter in the book, the rest of the show is like dedicated to that chapter. I don't know how God is orchestrating this stuff. But anyway, um, uh, uh, um, Leah, said, uh, Leah said, I've been doing this the whole time. I, right, 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 right. We've been doing, we've been putting this cup in the microwave the entire flipping time. Like, you know, we've just been out here just, just wilding, not reading instructions, doing things the way that we I, I either seen other people do it or just the convenient way to do it. And we didn't follow the instructions. And as a result of not following instructions, this whole time we might have been eating styrene, you know, this whole flipping time because we don't know how to read <laughs> we don't no we, no, we can't let Russ cook we can't because we we're we putting freaking cancerous stuff in our bodies now like dude so why am i bringing this up because we as the people of christ we gotta be ever so mindful to follow the doggone instructions just do what god said do what he said how how you know again you know, in the in the in the in the midst of comfort, in the midst of joy, in the midst of you know convenience, you know we just you know happily you know put it in the microwave. You know we've been and been doing it the whole time. You know thought we were fine, but this whole time they got an instruction on the flipping cup that says do not put in the microwave. Matter of fact, let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, uh, Let me see. Um, Cup, noodles, instructions. Yeah. Yep. Where does it say it at? Yep. 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 Right flipping there. Right flipping there. Let me see if I can do this without acting up. See if y'all can see this. Put the camera around. Look at that. Look at that. Do not microwave cut. Do not microwave cut. Could, couldn't be put plainer. Couldn't be put plainer. And yet, how often do we ignore the instructions? How often do we just do things our way and just just walk over the instructions? So I'm saying that to say to us today, saying that to say to us today, we, as the people of God, have to be ever so mindful of paying attention. Our tendency. Our tendency. Is to put ourselves in a position And put ourselves in a place where we are not paying attention. And when we don't pay attention, the potential to get into danger and to get into trouble is great. God gives us a Holy Spirit and he gives us discernment. In that space and in that discernment. We, as the people of God, got to be ever so mindful that we are paying attention to the leanings of the Holy Spirit. That we're paying attention to the direction that God is trying to take us in. That we're paying attention to what it is that God would have us to do. We have to pay attention. Sometimes the signs that we're looking for from God to go this way or that way, they couldn't be plainer. Couldn't be plainer. But because we're either overthinking things Or we want things quick, fast, and in a hurry. We want things to be rushed. We want things too soon. We will just allow ourselves to, you know, do things out of place. Do things out of line. Do things without thinking through what it is that we're meant to do. And sometimes we can go headlong into things that we were never meant to go into. Go headlong into relationships that God is clearly saying, hey, this ain't the way. Go into job opportunities that God is like, no, that's not what I have for you. You know, staying in situations for way too long or not, you know, cutting bait when it's time and find ourselves in a place of frustration or a place of danger for our souls when the instructions could not be clearer. Be careful. Don't go here. I'm not leaning you in that direction. I'm pushing you over here. How often have we cooked these cup noodles with the instruction right there playing as day, saying, do not microwave this cup. Don't do it. And yet, here we go headlong. We ain't even looking at the instruction. We pull it off and put it in the microwave. And as a result, who who knows what we've what we've ingested? Those forever chemicals or whatever, this lay dormant in our, our, in our um. In that, um, in our bodies, and in that same way, that's what God is saying to us. The warn some of the warnings that God gives us about our lives could not be plainer. They could not be. They could not be clearer. And yet, because it's convenient, and like you know, buddy, saying you know that stuff slap. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does. It feels good in the moment, but now look at the the, the devastating consequences that may come with. A moment of pleasure, a moment of joy, a moment of satisfaction. We just got done talking about this with food. And we're going to talk about it further in next week about other things. But I'm going to hit hit us with it now. Sometimes we enter and engage in relationships that are not good for us. And yet because it makes our bodies feel good in the moment, we stay with a joker that ain't worth two cents, stay with a, a lady who ain't about nothing, but because she make us feel good in certain areas, I'm going to stay with her anyway. You know, I know she's the most, she the terriblest human being on the earth. But what you doing tonight? The warning could not be clearer. Friends could not be trying to warn us any harder. Dude, she ain't no good for you. My my girl, she's no good for you. He's no good for you. And yet, I'm going, I'm going through anyway. Y'all just haters. Y'all just hating. Only two or three years down the line, I wish I would have listened. I wish, I wish I would have paid attention. How did um, old girl, say it? Um, you know when she was dealing with Tyrese, she said, "I wish I would have had different people in my ears." Even though Tyrese was like, oh, oh, you know, he gave his whole rebuttal, but here she was spitting. I wish I had different people in my ear. You know, but how often, you know, are we in situations that God's like, no, no, I don't want this for you. I got better for you. I got, I got something greater for you. But because it feels good in the moment, satisfies the flesh for a moment, we ignore the soul. We ignore the warnings. We ignore the dangers. When God says, I will provide a way of escape for you, we instead of escaping, close the door. I'm good, God. I got it. I'm good. Slam. Slam. And God, like, I provided the way of escape, but you chose to ignore it. You stepped over it. And I say this all the time. I say this all the time. In order for us as believers, especially as believers, in order for us to do what we want to do that falls out of line with God, we have to step over the cross to do it. We're going to have to step over Jesus. We're going to have to step over the Holy Spirit. Because God is so good to us that he provides a way of escape. He gives that to us. He gifts us with the way of escape so that we can handle trials and we can handle tribulations. We can handle issues and handle problems in a way that is glorifying to him. But how often do we ignore the signs? We ignore God in favor for what we really want to do. And as a result, we end up Stepping right over the instruction. Stepping right over the warning. We have been warming up cup noodles in the microwave in a cup that the cup clearly say, do not microwave me. But been microwaving for years. And I thank God they finally switching the paper next year. But even if they didn't switch, they've been telling us, do not microwave me. And yet, here we go, stepping right over the instruction, popping it in the microwave, eating, our eating, getting our stomachs filled, but filling our bodies with so many different things that I ain't trying to scare nobody. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying. The instruction, clear as day, say don't warm it up in the microwave poly and polystyrene has the potential to become styrene in our bodies how often do we step over the instruction thank you god thank you god See if I can find it real quick. In the book of Saul in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, Saul was King Saul was given a specific instruction to destroy this nation. Wipe the whole thing out. Destroy everything in it. Take the king, take him out. Take the people, take them out, take the whole city, burn it down to the ground. That was what he was told to do. Specific instruction. Do what I told you to do. Obviously, Saul doesn't do it. He captures the king, takes the spoils, takes some of the women, which is terrible. God did not condone that. I don't want nobody because see, God condone. Shut up. God didn't condone that. Okay? 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 17. Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission, a mission. My father wanted to cuss and said, go devote to destruction. The sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've devoted to the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, oxen, and the best things devoted to the Lord destruction, the sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and an idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. He's like, dude, what are you saying? God gave you an instruction. God is giving you a specific instruction and told you, dude, do what I told you to do. You out here, bruh, why? And you, then you go to have the audacity to try to blame the other people. What is this, Adam and Eve? You, well, it's the woman you gave to me. It's her fault. She gave me the apple and I ate. She gave me the fruit and I ate. What are you doing? You are the king. Simple instruction. Do what I told you to do. So you tell them, do what God told us to do. Not, well, I did my part. They the ones. Bruh, you are the king. Gave you a specific instruction. Do what I told you to do. Like you think sacrifices are gonna make up for what I for, for you not doing what I told you to do. No, do what I told you to do. We are so quick to want to do things our way and then try to tag God's name on it when He's given us a specific instruction. Do what I told you to do, obedience. It's better than sacrifice. Do what I told you to do. Just do what I told you to do. So we as the believers in God, we got to be ever so careful. Ever so careful. Take the lesson from the cup noodles. There's an instruction that says, do not microwave me. Could not be made plainer. I just showed y'all what was on the top of the cup. Could not be made plainer. Do not microwave me. God is saying to us, do what I told you to do do what I told you to do if you if you're gonna be with me if you're, if you're, if you're gonna be in, in my kingdom hear my voice the day that you hear my voice harden not your heart do what I'm telling you to do pay attention to the signs pay attention to the warnings. Pay attention to the flags being waved. Pay attention to the leanings that I have be pay attention to when I'm pulling. Pay attention to when I'm drawing. Pay attention because if you don't, you're walking headlong into danger in spaces where I've to, where I've told you not to go. Now God, now thanks be to God that he's not going to leave us. You know, he's not going to just leave us out there while we're faithless. He's still faithful. That's one of the things I love about God. Even when we make a mistake along the way, even when we make a mistake along the way, God is still saying, I'm right here. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil for you or for I am with you. Even when we're faithless and we make mistakes and we fall short, God is still with us. So believer, take comfort. Don't take that as an excuse to go do what you want to do, but take comfort in the fact that even when we fall short, even when we go astray, God is still with us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't, he hasn't fallen away from us. We, the believers in God, can take comfort in that. But we got to pay attention. We got to be willing to open ourselves up to being, um, being more sensitive to the, to the leanings of the spirit. When it's leading and guiding us into different directions to go the way that he would have us to go. And to not step over the cross just so we can do what we want to do. Only to then be like, God, please forgive me for what I did. Thank God He ain't petty like me. I'm like, oh, oh, so so you so so you just gone so you just don't do what you want to do and now. You're coming back to me. Oh, okay. No, I thank God that He's not petty. Says He forgives 70 times seven a day for all the things that we've done, that His That His blood covers a multitude of sins, His love covers a multitude of sins. So we're grateful to God. That he thinks it not robbery to lead us and guide us in the path of righteousness. But we have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that we're not putting ourselves in a position where we end up thinking to ourselves, I can just do whatever I want. Because the truth of the matter is God is showing us time and again, I've got you on a path. I need you to follow me. I need you to pay attention to me. I'm leading you and guiding you in different directions here, there, and everywhere. Pay attention. Pay attention to me. And if you pay attention to me, I promise I'm leading you in the path of everlasting. I've made perfect the boundary, the, the lines that I've set for you are, are set in heaven in, in heavenly places, in pleasant places, in delightful places. You just gotta pay attention. To where I got you. Pay attention to where I'm leading you. Pay attention to where I'm guiding you. And if I show you a warning, pay attention to the warning, because sin always overpromises and underdelivers. And as we found out last week with that freak. with that with uh, or earlier this week with the um with the funeral home, you end up. Digging yourself into such a deep pit that you have such a trail of chaos behind you on the pursuit of your own personal satisfaction and gratification. And so, again, I say all that to say to us today, be careful, be careful that you are paying attention to the signs of God and paying attention to what he would have for us to do as his people and as um and as he has as he continues to show us exactly what it is that he would have us to do You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for each and every one of you who have been on the live with us so far. Thank you for the 2,200 likes. Thank you for the comments, the follows, and the shares. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear um, past episodes, you can go to, to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Um list of all the of episodes from Inception to Now. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll be right back in just a moment. The True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly grateful for the 2,200 likes that we've received thus far and grateful for each and every one of you who is watching the show on today. Again, if you missed any part of this show or want to watch past or listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and listen and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. And each episode that we've done from the inception to now is there for your listening pleasure. Um today um in our sanctification session I want to talk about the difference between the permissive and the perfect will of God. Um, I had a um in in an interview that I did with um with Ashe um uh uh last week we talked about the idea between the perfect and the permissive will of God um and it was really really interesting um concept that she had brought up but she said that she got it from a friend of hers who was talking to her saying she was saying I don't want to be in the permissive will I want to be in the perfect will I want I don't want to be in the permissive will of God I want to be in the perfect will of God and as she was saying perfect um will it kept r- 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 the what kept ringing in my ear was Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 um It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Move that over there. There we go. Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. Um, There is a distinct difference between the permissive will and the perfect will. A distinctive difference between the permissive will and the perfect will. Um, When talking with unbelievers, um, a lot of times they will talk about how, you know, if God be so good, then why would he allow all these different things to happen in the world, right? They'll talk about, you know, all the different things that people do wrong. They'll talk about what's going on in the Middle East right now. They'll talk about what happens, you know, when we have these random, you know, shootings that happens in schools and stuff. And how kids are hurt and all that type of stuff. And they'll talk about different things that are going on and that, that are wrong and all those sort of things. <clears throat> and um, what pe- What what, again, unbelievers fail to understand, and what believers sometimes don't know how to explain is that God in his permissive will allows people the choice to do whatever they want to do. Then the permissive will of God is such to where you are able to do whatever you want to do. God's love for us is such to where he does not want to force us into a relationship with him. He will not force us into a relationship with him. He will lovingly lead us into a relationship with him. And in order to have a relationship with him, he has to do the work of transforming the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. But, but even that is upon hearing and believing in the gospel message um, and, and, and in that, that seed germinating. Um, It's why it's a great mystery of how God does this thing, because, you know, for some people, they hear the gospel and they believe. For some people, they hear the gospel and their hearts harden even more. Nevertheless, um, God in his permissive will, because he loves us, he's not going to force us to do anything. He allows us the ability to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. That is the that is the, the, the one of the tenets of humanity we have the choice to do whatever it is that we want to do and so people choose to do what they do to do what's been what's happening in the middle east people are choosing to do what they're doing in american politics people are choosing to do what they do when they decide i'm gonna go grab you know a, a, a firearm and go do some stupid stuff you know because i'm mad because i'm upset because i'm hurt because i got some mental issue or whatever the case is that's people making choices and people making choices is within the permissive will of God. In that permissive will, he allows us to to make decisions about what we about we what we want to do. In that same permissive will comes consequences. And so, as a backdrop, I turn to the book of Daniel. A lot of turning, a lot of turning. Thank you. There we go. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar was a king in, um. <coughs> Um, in Babylon, and he knew who God was, but he ain't no God. You know, he he knew about him, but he ain't know him. Daniel had did some things for him, and he was like, dude, you know, your God pretty bomb. But Nebuchadnezzar still had a heart posture that was more about him than it was God. Daniel told his brother. If you don't bow down and worship God, he is going to do something to you that's going to make you bow down and worship him after it's done. So I'm warning you now, bow down and worship him. lest something worse happen to you that's going to force you on your knees. Nebuchadnezzar. Seeing what God has done and all the miracles and the precepts and the righteous acts and all that kind of stuff that he's done over the course of the past several years, you would think, like, bet, I bow down and worship God, I'm going to turn some worship music on right now, but no, like us humans who are so prideful. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Now, mind you, again, this dude know who God is. This ain't like he he don't know. But per usual, like some of us, we're just gonna this is all I've done all this. This is all my work. This is all my doing. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. God wasn't there, God didn't help with this, God didn't help with that. It was all on me. Where was your God? Where is your is this your king? Now some of that's how that's some of us heart, that's some of our heart's heart's posture. Even those who know who God is. I did this. God ain't real. That ain't true. How one of the commenters just said, prove to me God's existence. That's not true. That's not real. God's fake. That's imaginary. God said, bet. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be in the beat with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until his hair grew long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. And God had him stuck like that for seven years. Gave him up to a debased mind for seven years. He became a prodigal son for seven years. He became a reprobate. He was already there. God just pushed him over the edge. In the permissive will of God, God will allow us to go out as far as we want to Because he's not going to make you do anything. If he so decides that he wants you, he's going to let you go out there and do what you do. Realize that these gods out there that we're worshiping are not going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And then at some point, you're going to look at us and be like, so do you want to worship me now? Everything else you tried has failed. Everything else you put you put you put in your body has failed. Every person that you've sampled has failed. Whew. Every person out there who you thought was going to be the one that's going to give you what you needed has failed. Every book that you've read on six ways to do this, seven ways to do this, nine ways to do this has failed. Every vacation you've gone on has failed. Every drink that you drank failed. The permissive will of God is such to where God will allow us to enjoy the temporary pleasures of this world, but still have a devastated soul. Go on out there and do what you do. Enjoy it. Have at it. Go. Buy your clothes. Buy your shoes. Buy your Gucci. Enjoy your food. Enjoy your drink. Enjoy the sex you're having with whomever you're having your sex with. Enjoy the pleasures of this world. Have at it. Have fun. Go nuts. Go secure that job, that title, that position that you want so badly. Go get it. Go get it. But how's your soul? In the permissive will of God. God's saying, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. There will be consequences for your actions, but you have permission in the permissive will of God, to do whatever it is that you want to do. Whatever you think is going to bring you the satisfaction, joy, and peace that you think is going to bring you, have at it. Go for it. I'm not, I, I'm not stopping you. There are consequences that will come with your actions, but I am not stopping you. And this is for the unbeliever and the believer. Go do what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you. See, the thing about people when they ask the question, if God is so good, then why would he allow this and that and the third? God is saying, why not? Because at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you from doing what you want to do. If I did, it wouldn't be love. I'm not going to force you to love me. Go do what you do. But everything that we do. Has a consequence. Whether it be good or bad. So you got to decide. What you want to do. And that is the permissive will of God. And the thing about the permissive will of God. Is that. In that space. What's. Best for us is within the permissive will, but it's not. But everything that we do in the permissive will is not in the perfect will. Because the perfect will is what will maximize our spiritual flourishing. Notice spiritual flourishing, which means there's some places that we can go. There's some things we can't do. There's some people we can't interact with. There's some activities we can't touch because to do so would be damaging to the soul. We must use spiritual discernment, not conforming to this world, but being patterned after who, um, being transformed by the renewals of our minds, so that we can know what the perfect will of God is for our lives. But recognizing that the perfect will for our lives is what will bring about the greatest amount of flourishing for us. That if we choose the perfect will of God, we guarantee that our souls will be anchored in peace. Our souls will be anchored in joy. Our souls will be anchored in love, even if it means we have to sacrifice some things along the way. I can do whatever I want to do, I can do whatever I want to do, but in doing whatever I want to do, it may not be expedient for me. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up we got to check yeah i can do whatever i want to do but is doing what i want to do going to satisfy the soul is doing what i want to do is doing what i want to do going to allow me to be in the best place possible that god wants me to be our tendency our tendency <clears throat> Is to want what we want, and hope that God tags that we can tag God's name on it. But we got to be ever so careful, ever so careful, that we are not walking in God's permissive will, and instead walking in His perfect will. And to know that we have to have our minds transformed by the by its renewal every single day it's why we pray the prayer thy will be done give us this day our daily bread thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give me what i need for this day to carry out whatever it is you would have me to do so that you may be glorified god how can i glorify you today How can I glorify your name today? Keep me in downtown perfect will of God. Don't have me out here wilding out and you know, needing more of your grace to deliver me from the darkness. Don't have me out there in the permissive will where all these things are happening and my soul is being tormented. Allow me to walk in your freedom. Allow me to walk in your peace. Allow me to walk in your joy. Allow me to walk in your satisfaction. Allow me to walk in your glory so that I can be at peace in my soul. So that I can be at peace in my soul. We, as the people of God, have to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that we're not walking contrary to the will of God. Everything is happening uh, under God's orchestration. No doubt about it. Everything is happening because God designed it this way. Everything is happening because of God's, you know, um, his um, omniscience. He knows all. He sees all. And he is underneath everything, orchestrating everything, got his hand in everything. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing and able to decide, hey, I want to be in the perfect will of God. I want to be in the perfect will of God. And in being in the perfect will of God, I have a desire to do what he wants me to do, to be where he wants me to be, and to act in the way that he wants me to act. So again, you'll have people, just like digital philosophy, who get so frustrated with God, Because why would God allow there to be terminal cancer in children? Sin has wrought this world in such a way to where everything has consequences and everything is devolving. Everything is falling apart. And so we as the believers in God have to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we're not walking in the permissive will. But instead we're walking in the perfect will. Because if we're not careful, if we're not careful... We will find ourselves having to be placed in situations and circumstances where we, the people of God, are not walking in the way of God. Bad things are going to happen to us. We can't escape that. We live in a broken world where broken people do broken things, and broken things happen to broken people. But at the end of the day, we, the believers in God, have to be ever so careful That we are walking in his perfect will. Because in his perfect will, our souls will have peace. We got to remember something As, as I'm talking to digital philosophy. We think that the end game for human flourishing is that everything be perfect. But it's not about this physical world being perfect, it's about our souls. You can have cancer and still have a soul that is at peace. It's not about our bodies being at peace. It's not about our circumstances being at peace. It's about our souls. We are in a spiritual war. We're in spiritual warfare. We're in spiritual, you know, dimensions. We are a spirit. We are a soul. This body is going to pass away. How God decides that that's going to happen, it's on him. The same way that we don't want kids to die of cancer is the same way we don't want people who are 95 years old to die at all because they're our grandparents. But guess what? Death happens to us all. It has to. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. God never said that that everybody's just going to go to sleep. No. Some people are going to suffer before they die. It is what it is, but it's never been about the body. So the kid that's dealing with terminal cancer, do they have a relationship with the Lord? Do they have a relationship with the Lord? If so, God can take that body. I'll see them in the next life. I'll see them in the life to come. What can they do? To, what can man do to this body? Kill it? Okay. Well, if I Paul said it like this: If I'm here, I'm in the Lord. If I'm dead, I'm with the Lord. So death, where is your sting? I'm scared of you. Where? Where is it? What can? What can? What can death do to me? Nothing. So again, we say all that to say. As the believers in God, we must walk in the perfect will of God and be careful to not just to not merely walk in the permissive. We're all walking in the permissive, but we as the believers don't want to just be in the permissive, but we want to be in the perfect will of God. Because it's in the perfect will of God that our souls have the greatest flourishing. It's about the soul and how our souls are able to flourish in a world full of chaos, where people are we have the permission to do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it, whenever they want to do it, with, with whomever they want to do it with. And so I challenge all of us as the believers today, ask yourself the question, does your life really pattern the perfect will of God, Is your or is your life patterning more of the permissive? And only you can know that. So do a heart check today. And ask yourself the question, where does my heart truly lie? Is it with the Lord or is it with something or someone else? You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all so much for the 2200 likes. Really appreciate you all for that. Thank you for the gifts that we've received today. Thank you for the likes, the comments, the follows, and the shares. If you missed any part of this message, you can go to our Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to all of our episodes from our inception to now. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment. The True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Someone asked the question in the chat: What is the Christian view of other religions? You would think this question is self-explanatory, but you know, sometimes we do have those kinds of questions, and we should be able to present, you know, some type of answer to it. And so here is my response to that kind of, to that question. Um, any other religion that is not Christ. That's not about Jesus. It's not about the gospel of Jesus Christ is a false gospel. Any other God that's being worshiped outside of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who, You know, whose son is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose for our sins, is idolatry. You know, it's an idol God. And that is the short version of that. Now. The reason why Jesus is different from all the other gods in this world is that. Every other God in this world, especially the major, the major, the major players. All of them are expecting you to do something to earn your salvation. In order to be saved by them, you have to do something. You got to earn your keep. You got to earn your way in. So you got to clean yourself up. You gotta do the good deeds. You gotta seek forgiveness from others. You gotta sacrifice in some type of way to those deities. You have to become, you have to, you know, ascend. You have to rise to a certain level in order to be considered a part of what they got going on. Every major, every other major religion. There's a requirement, a requirement in which you earn the right to enter, you earn the right to get in, you earn the right to be a part of. Um, even in the new age stuff that we see today, it's all about trying to ascend, trying to go upward to heaven, trying to become godlike, trying to, and, and not not Christlike, you know, like we say here, but trying to be godlike in so much that they're like the Tower of Babel. I'm trying to get up there so that way I can, be, I can be the man. I'm going to be the woman. Some people in this chat alone have said we are gods. And so, you know, we, so, so we're, we're worshiping ourselves. We're not worshiping a god out there. We're worshiping ourselves. You know, and so we try to ascribe to be the best version of ourselves as if the best version of ourself is the self that's going to save self. And for a lot of us, it feels good to feel like we're the master and commanders of our lives. It feels good to be in control. It feels good to have our hands on the steering wheel and say, I am the, I am the reason why. I am doing this. I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this because it makes me this, or I'm doing it because it makes me that, blah, 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 blah. Having control is a God. Being in control is a God. And it requires a whole lot of sacrifice in order to be the master and commander of your own life. And what God is saying to us today is that you can worship that if you want to. But every day there's some brand new self-help book that's out there that's saying this is the way to peace. Time and again, the other major gods out there are being proven over and over again to be um, unable to rise to the occasion, unable to give the satisfaction and peace and joy that people are looking for. And you got a lot of really good people. Come, like, I'm gonna call us. I'm gonna call us out. You got a lot of really good people who follow these other religions. Just like we got a lot of really bad people who say they that they that they follow Christ. So I'm so I'm, put, I'm putting this out there, you know. There's a lot of people who say that they love the Lord, but their actions. Like, you say you sure you worshiping Jesus? Because um, it's kind of suspect. Which, again, makes these other religions so enticing because there's an appearance of they must have it much better over there because look at how they treat their people. Being a Hebrew, Hebrew, being a Hebrew Israelite feels really good because it gives black people a sense of ownership and pride. We are the original chosen race. You know, and so they they love that. They love that stuff. It gives them a sense of pride and ownership. God, God chose us. We are the chosen ones. Sound familiar, Matthew twenty-four? And so, a lot of people they will follow these other religions because they're looking for something. Sometimes they'll even follow Jesus because they're looking for something that that is that they're looking for something other than Jesus, but they're using Jesus to get it. But these, again, these other religions, they over-promise and underdeliver. So we as the people of God, we as the believers in God, we, we, we view other religions just like we, we, we view any idol God. Like, if you are following anything other than Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. If you're following anything other than Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. That is our view. We respect you, that you make, you'll make your choice. God gives us all free will. Do what you do. But he warns us, you go down this road, you go down this path, I promise you it's not going to give you what you think is going to give you. And you got a lot of people that are going to live and die by what they believe in. Do what you do. But as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. You got got a choice. You can follow the gods of this age. You can follow the other gods that are out there that are more appealing and enticing to the flesh. You You can do what you want to follow yourself, homie. Do what you do. But know that every action has a consequence. And for the ones who are trying to follow themselves, notice how every three to four years you're, you're revamping your entire existence. I know because I do it all the time. My existence revamps every two to three years. There's some new project that I'm working on. There's new, there's some new thing that I'm doing. You know, my wife picks on me all the time how I love rearranging stuff in the house, rearranging furniture if by any means possible because, you know, every so, so often I need a change. need to flip something around. need to do something different. So I know, not, I dare not follow myself. I dare not, you know, worship myself because I'm fickle. <laughs> I'm so fickle-minded. And we all are every two to three years we're changing up. Every two or three years we're doing something different. Like we're 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 always see we're always seeking something to satisfy the longings of the soul. And God says, hey, go do what you do. But at the end of the day. When you really stop and think about it, how's it working out for you? Getting good sleep at night? And by the word sleep, I mean rest. Because some of us, present company included, sleep is evading us like freaking. But rest, are we resting in our souls? Are we going to continue to use the excuse of, I don't like how those people are, or those people are, you know, that's why I don't believe, to did not believe yourself? Because, yeah, just like with other religions, Christianity got some bad apples too. We're We're called human beings for a reason. We're not perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short. But the one thing that makes the big difference between God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and these other religions is that while the other religions say, do this and live, Christ says, it's done. Repent and believe. Denounce your gods. Take up your cross and follow me. And believe in everything that I say. Believe in everything that I've done. It's really that simple. Like for the other religions. It's difficult to get into the kingdoms. That they're promising. For Christianity. Getting in the kingdom is so easy. It's literally one of the easiest decisions in the history of decisions. Because all God needs from you is a yes. Now, the journey of Christianity once you're in here can be is going to be difficult. Like, I ain't gonna lie. God said you, you're going to expect some trials. That's going to happen. But entry into the kingdom, easy. You don't got to work, you ain't got to earn, you ain't got to climb. You ain't got to have hefty head knowledge. Jesus saves is all you need to get into the kingdom. If you believe in Jesus and believe that God, that he is the son of God and that Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. It's really that simple. And it's always interesting that of all the religions that people have such a tough time, you know, wanting to believe in, Christianity gets the worst. Ah, see, because it caused wars and people are always fighting over this and da da da, da. Yep. You right. You 100% right. And shame on them for doing that. But at the end of the day, what's your alternative? And how is how is that how is your soul doing? Does it's easy to look out into the world and say I'm I, I've arrived? Look at Nebuchadnezzar. You looked out into the world like I've arrived. I made it. But your soul, your soul. How's your soul doing? so again I'm saying all that to say when it comes to other religions they're not Jesus that's that's the that's the short and long end of it. They're not Jesus so if they're not Jesus then it's idolatry. If it's not Jesus then it's spiritual adultery. It's that simple. Do what you want to do. Again, we're not—we ain't out here trying to clown, cause no shame. Do what you want to do. You want to follow other stuff? Do what you do. You want to follow the sage and all that? Do what you do. You want to follow your ancestors? Do what you do. You want to follow um Hebrew Israel, Israelites? Do what you do. You want to follow Muslim? Do what you do. You want to follow you know Confucius and Buddha and all them? Do what you do. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus said, "I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one shall come to the Father except." through me. So again, you can try to get to God on your own by some other means if you want to. Christ has told us through his own mouth, I am the only way you're going to get to him. I'm the only way. So if you're trying to I'm trying to oh trying to circumvent Christ to get to God, I caution you in this. Be careful if you think you're talking to him because it might not be God you're talking to. Just saying. But that is the view. The Christian view of other religions. If it ain't Jesus, it's idolatry. If it ain't Jesus, it's spiritual adultery. And that's the short and long end of it. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our praiseworthy... um, Story for today, Uh, it's uh, October 21st, 2023. Six homeless sisters are all becoming nurses together. Quote, it's our bond that kept us going. Um, Six sisters who have spent the past 10 years homeless have refused to let their ordeal stop them from pursuing their dream of becoming nurses. The nightmare that upended their childhoods of the Lawrence sisters began in 2013 when their parents, David and Yante, I'm sorry, and Yannette, lost their home in the New York City borough of Queens, and the brood began hopping from the home of one family member and friend to the next. Quote, it was challenging, Lauren, now 24, tells Peoples in this this week's issue. There are a lot of very bumpy, depressing times. Two years into the family's ordeal that began in 2013, David told his daughters who had been struggling to attend school while moving every few months that he didn't, that he didn't, There's a typo there that he didn't I guess he didn't want their situation to keep them from getting an education. They put they didn't put the word one in there before long. The six oldest Lawrence sisters who were then in their late elementary and middle school years were enrolled in a homeschool program with dreams of one day earning their GED. Quote, he didn't want what we were going through. Um, Says Dominique 25 to hold us back. Just said that. Nothing, it seemed, could hold the tight-knit clan back. Not only did the six oldest Lawrence sisters all earn their GEDs in 2019, they also attended Nassau Community College on Long Island. After graduating two years later, they went on to enroll in SUNY Old Westbury, where they earned their bachelor's degrees in public health in May. Quote, it's been quite an adventure, says Danielle, 22, of their rocky start. But what really pulled us through is our faith in God and each other. You better say that! Um, The siblings now 19 to 25 years old admit that they are just getting started. This past August, they began a master's program in public health at SUNY Downstate Health Sciences University and will head to nursing school after that. It's a dream come true for this group of young women whose childhoods were filled with so much tumult and uncertainty. Quote, I'm so happy they've done this together, says Proud Dad David. I always tell them life's not fair. And when it throws you a curveball, you just got to adjust and keep going. I am so proud of them. My only question, and this is just me because you know how I'm I'm, I'm one for everybody living out their own dream. Did they all decide that they were going to become nurses and it was everything? Everybody wanted to do this, or did some of them do it because of what everybody else is doing? That's the only question I got. But, nevertheless, I am so proud of them because to be homeless... Bouncing from house to house to house to house, trying to make ends meet in the in the economy that we live in today. I am so proud of them for being able to rise above the stereotypes, to rise above the um statistics, and be able to get all six of them in school, all six of them becoming nurses. Like, I, I can't stress enough how awesome that is, because it's very easy to get sucked into the world um at such a young age when things are going bad at home and again it's not again it doesn't look like it was the devil or anything like that um you know just probably fell on hard times couldn't make ends meet had to, you know, um, lose the home and all that kind of stuff, and things are kind of going down here from there, but they never let that stop them from doing what they needed to do, hey, right, come on, now what do I gotta do, exactly, you know, and so, you know, they, so they did what they needed to do in order to get to where they needed to go, and I am so proud of them, I'm so proud of them, um, um, you know, I reminded I'm reminded of a time when my sister was mad at my parents at one at one time and she came over to our house and she was like, When I get my car, y'all ain't gonna see me no more <laughs> And I can imagine it's probably what some of these sisters were feeling like when I get this degree <laughs> But um but again I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them for being able to um to do what they needed to do to get themselves out of the situation that they were in. And in doing so, they were able to um, rise above um, their circumstances and be able to get their degrees. And hopefully it just continues to keep propelling. And so I tell any and everyone, don't stop believing, man. As long as there is life and breath in your body, there is a chance. And you can use that chance in some way, shape, or form to make tomorrow better than yesterday. And it may be difficult, may have some hard times, may have to go through some trials, tribulations, jump through some hula hoops, but trust and believe it'll be worth it at the end of it all. So don't stop believing in yourself. Don't stop believing in your dreams. Submit those plans to the Lord and allow God to move and navigate you in such a way to where he will be glorified and you shall get, you know, um, you know, uh, what's coming to you, um, based upon the hard work and dedication that you give in the, um, in the situation that you're in. So again, congratulations to those sisters. Um, very, very happy for them. Glad that they are able to get their degrees and glad to see them continue just to propel and do what they need to do to overcome the odds. Um, and, and do what needs to be done for themselves and for one another. So I'm just de- they're definitely happy about that. Um, thank you guys so so much uh, for the 2,200 likes that we've received today. Thank you for the likes, the comments, the follows, the shares. Thank you for the gifts that we received earlier today. I just want to thank y'all from the bottom of my heart for spending all this week with me this week. Um, Next week I promise to have a jam-packed week full of shows for y'all. Hoping to get some more interviews lined up so that way we can um so that way we can have more conversations um on our show. I'm really excited about what's coming down the pipeline. I also want to thank um You are a champion for their donation to the true gospel ministry. Thank y'all so much. If you're watching and listening, thank you so much for that. Um continue just to do, you know, um to allow us to do what we do here at the true gospel. As always guys if you can't see the good be the good love you guys peace out homies